0: Hey, everybody. We're here at the uh, first inaugural episode of the Curve podcast. Uh, we have done a couple of these on, uh, on our own as practice, but we are very happy to be here with everybody. Uh, this is a show where we talk about the uh, crypto and NFT markets, a little bit of TradFi stuff too, from a group of people who have been in this for way too long, who have seen a bunch of stuff, who have been in the ups and downs of all this and are here to kind of go through this with you as we go through whatever market we're in right now. Uh, We'd like to start off the show by asking all the people on the podcast, uh, give a one-word reason, a one-word answer to what they're feeling about the market right now. So I'm going to start off with uh, Grantland. Grantland, uh, what is your one-word feeling on the market right now?
1: Uh, Just apathy, probably.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's a good start. Why not start with apathy? I think apathy is a very good place to begin at. Uh, Okay, uh, that's a good one. Okay, uh, Eric, what is your one word? Uh, what is your one word for the market this week?
2: I think just like overall cynicism. Um, yeah, just overall cynicism.
0: All right, so so f- that's uh, that's a good one too. We've got cynicism, we've got apathy. I'm gonna go and use the. <laughs> the actually good for uh good, good word of fear, because I think that this is not just my personal fear. I think there is definitely some, I feel a little bit afraid, but I mean, it is what it is and you always gotta, you know, caution your emotions and, and your fear. But I think there's a ton of fear in the market right now. And I think that fear both is caused by the apathy and the cynicism of what's happening. Um, so I think we should dive into this, uh, First and foremost, it has been a very um, tumultuous week in the space, to say the least. Um, uh, Eric, maybe, I don't know, do you want to take a shot at kind of trying to give us the explainer for what's happened in the last uh, week and where we are kind of here as of Sunday night, November 20th?
2: Yeah, I mean, so FTX was a fraud. Uh, I think we, you know, everyone originally thought this was the safe exchange, the good exchange uh they played nice with the regulators but turns out um FTX and Alameda were one of the same which for I think a lot of people who had been critical of SPF was not news but um what did shock people was really just you know the extent of the hole that Alameda had created for itself during the Luna 3ac collapse um and the subsequent fact that FTX um, basically floated their illiquid shit coins over to their to um Alameda's balance sheet, which allowed Alameda to enter into a lending agreement with FTX where they were able to borrow FTX depositors' money uh with the shit coins as collateral so you know in in, in sort of a, a layman's parlance, this is what we call a fraud or a ponzi scheme um <laughs> because uh, you know at the very least they directly violated the terms of service on FTX by lending out depositors money. Um, secondly, they, it was a clear conflict of interest because they were lending money to an arms length entity that had preferential access to the FTX systems. And for a long time was very likely trading against, um, FTX's own client. And then obviously third, you know, they basically looped the capital. Um, and then when, when, when. When Luna and 3AC imploded and brought down the rest of the market, left them with a giant hole in their balance sheet uh, and basically a huge asset liabilities mismatch that puts them here today. Um, CZ, I think, you know, ultimately probably saw that coming and saw it happen on chain in Q2. Um, I think if, if some, you know, Lucas Newsy uh, dug up basically a huge. I think it was like a $4.5 billion FTT token transfer from FTX to Alameda. Uh, I think that was the start of it. CZ smelled blood in the water. He waited for the right chance when public sentiment turned against Sam because of the DCCPA um, to strike. But I don't think anybody expected just the extent of the fallout. We're now week two into this bullshit. You know, Now it turns out that up. DCG has also been been playing fast and loose with their risk parameters. So the rest of this is just starting to cascade through the through the system. Um, we don't really know um, what is necessarily going to happen tomorrow. The, the rumor mill seems to think it's not good, um, and so this is all like very very dispiriting um, and demoralizing for I think people to who, who have been pushing for, for mainstream adoption of the sector for a long time to just have this guy come in white it and turn out to be an absolute fraud. I think it's I mean, also so you,
0: basically it, worst case scenario in a lot of ways, right? I would argue yeah, that it, yeah. it, it, it is the
2: absolute worst thing that could happen. Yeah. Um you know I I think like I I I remembered um because my wife works for a web three firm and they were trying to open additional DEX accounts just to manage their counterparty risk. And FTX obviously at the time was like on the top of that list. Uh, and this stuff was happening on West Saturday. I think I was talking to her about it. I said, like, look, this is probably nothing, but there's really no upside in rushing this process at this point. And like three days later, there's like, you know, uh CZ's like, oh, I'm buying FTX. I'm like, well, we didn't see that happen. And then yeah. a day later, it's like, I'm not buying FTX, the hole is too big. And then everything just proceeds to fall apart, right? Um, I think the grossest part about all of this is like, you know, notwithstanding the fact that we just, everyone basically gave our, gave their money to like MIT wizard math wizards that were running (laughs) on methamphetamine 24 seven and just taking unconscionable levels of risk, um, with, with, with no mitigation whatsoever, it is, it's just that like the press coverage has just been really, really gross through all of this it's been so Um, bad i i I, you know i when before i think this i used to sort of like look at like people's rants against the msm and i'm just like all right buddy like you know just just go back to your peaceful rally um and, and this was i think this was the first time where it really like looking through the facts and looking through how it's been reported at the major news outlets and i'm just like what how could they do this you know how could how could like esteemed uh published journalists actually write something like this and and put it out there for public consumption um and it was just I think that in itself was really really dispiriting uh and the worst part of this is like as soon as FTX is falling apart all of the fucking lizards come crawling out of the sewer do Doquan, Zusu, Kyle Davies begin like their redemption arc. You know, they 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 sort of try to like play the victim card and say, like, well, like, you know, we were the call, like we were victims too. And and so this is it's just very, very clear, like that, that, like these people were waiting the whole time for something like this to happen so they can get on the public platforms. Deflect blame and and, you know their own 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 from their own criminality and 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 just try to pretend as if nothing happened. So like all of this is just really has been really just like really I think worn everybody down who actually believed um, in the promise of crypto and Web three. You know, and and the worst part is like is like every single decentralized protocol worked through all of this, like there were no catastrophic failures. So a lot of the things that people had built um, coming into this actually worked by design, like Aave was fine. Maker was fine. There was was nothing wrong with any of these major like on chain lending protocols. And no one's really like talking about it. Um, And but and and despite their success now, like everyone in the sector is going to everyone in the space is going to eat the regulatory blowback from the SEC. Uh, who failed to capture FTX, who cultivated a very, very buddy relationship um, with FTX because of the, you know, because of the very, very close relationships that uh, Gary Gensler ultimately had with SBF and Caroline um, through his time as, you know, as a professor at MIT, where he basically worked for Caroline's dad. So it just, this is just like, you know, I'm trying to find like another word for gross and I'm really struggling. It just, it's just. It, it it feels it just makes you feel like really really unclean like you well, I, yeah still it's, 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 and like I have to really take a shower.
0: I think it, and my thing too is I think we've entered into another phase of this which is the narrative war phase of it which now we're in a situation where it's not even much about what happened and how it's happening which is obviously it still is and there's you know clearly there's a fair amount of ways to go to zero still and a lot of the actual assets that that people still hold. Um, But I think the harder part is we're entering into a space where the stories that are being told and will be told about this and what they're told about is going to be super important and how people, you know, characterize what the crypto industry is or what Web3 is or, you know, what decentralization means. All these things are going to start leaking in these different directions that are being driven by the FTX story. Um, Grant, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Like, what's your take on this? I mean, we all have pretty strong feelings, I think, on this space. But where are you coming from?
1: uh i think we covered most of the fact base already um i just yeah it's the past couple of weeks has just been an entirely new feeling for me like uh luna didn't really surprise me uh 3C, you know didn't really surprise me uh the spf stuff like legitimately like caught me off guard uh and it was probably the only time so far that i felt like genuine fear Uh, about, like, how far the rot goes. Uh, And I suppose we're still not really sort of past it uh, in terms of whatever contagion or fallout comes from it, uh, both from a price perspective and, you know, just a regulatory and uh, reputational standpoint. Uh, But I think I'm just, you know, uh, as I said, uh, off the jump, more apathetic than anything else. I've just sort of mentally zeroed out uh, whatever else comes next. Uh, And my overall thesis still kind of stands, like, crypto remains you know the easiest and and generally the most fun uh casino there is in the world Uh, and there will always be you know some form of market appetite for it
0: let's i would yeah i mean that makes sense to me and i think the apathy part of it i mean one of the things i was thinking today and yesterday is you know weekends in general are not the worst for nfts versus like say the regular markets the nft market generally does a little bit better on weekends because people jump in there and there's just been no action really on nfts of the last i would even say up to the last like week or so maybe maybe that's a little much but really yesterday and today and and late last week you just feel that apathy kind of soaking throughout the entire world and in the nft market it's not that different than it was after the 3ac luna stuff because it was just like almost like i always feel like there's kind of a shell shockedness to this kind of time when when things like this happen but I think the sad part for all these markets in terms of the fun part of it because I think you know part of the reason I'm here uh, I'll be very clear is like I I'm a big believer in decentralization and what and what we can do here with uh, essentially what could be like a new world economy in the in the like mid to long term future the fun of it in some ways is just that all the people kind of participating in this thing. In a little ways, it is the casino aspect of it, like of having a good time and enjoying the experience talking about these different assets. And now it just feels like a lot of the fun has been sucked out of it. And that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm sure there's there's still fun to be had, but it just feels like so many people have gotten burned by so many things and so, much, so many bad actors are in this space that it's starting to feel like... God how much of my time do I want to spend in this world, right? Like that's a that's a feeling that I don't love having. You know, it's like when you choose to spend time doing this versus spending time with your family or like, you know, I don't know, getting better at golf. Like all the things that take time, like it's an interesting thing to kind of like explore why we do this and what we're doing it for.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just everything that's happened in the last 6 months is just a perversion of the principles that attracted uh, most of us to the space in the first place, but I think it's you know inevitable. Uh, what comes up must must naturally come down uh, due to laws of gravity. Uh, and in, in most cases, in in the uh, wild west, that's the playground of crypto. Um, there's hidden leverage uh, and and daggers in in your back uh, long before you notice it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, I want to, I'm kind of curious to talk to the two of you about um, the whole idea of, of regulation and kind of where we think we're going with this. And, and because clearly where it's coming and it might be coming faster now because of all this stuff, what does, what does regulation, what will regulation mean for this world? Uh, Eric, what's your take on that? Like where, what do you think we're going to be seeing it and how do you think it's going to affect uh, the crypto space?
2: I think, you know, there is, I think the worst case of of this is instead of and, and by the way this is this has been a big long running criticism of the SEC is that instead like the lesson from all of this is that when you have centralized parties that operate outside of the US jurisdiction and and offer risky products um usually there are potential issues um, that we don't see for a long time that can have catastrophic consequences. Uh, But you know, the ICC, despite that, I think has has tried to maintain most of its, it's sort of, you know, jurisdictional prowess uh, within the U S and, and usually like they're targeting things that are, um, are, you know, they're they're easy pickings um, to kind of put notches under their belt. Without really actually like improving the underlying, um, you know, the under the the underlying environment for 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 future retail users. And so, my fear of all of this is is ultimately, um, the politicians that were in bed with the SBF, uh, who now look like complete idiots, um, go the other way and try to seem tough on crypto regulation. The SEC enabled that with I think some really poorly thought through. Uh, ideas on how they want to in- enforce crypto law, um, and we go after the DeFi. Um, we go after DeFi protocols in the space, which to this point have been, you know, the most resilient and well operated. And it really just negatively impacts the onboarding and offboarding rails in the U.S. for crypto. Um, yeah. That is my really, really big fear. Out of out of all of this, is that it's actually going to push us the other way. Despite the fact that if Sam had gotten his way um, and all of the regulators had played ball, it would have just potentially magnified this risk, um, this systemic event further down the road, because yep. he would have he would have gotten rid of all of the competition, more of the volumes would have aggregated to him um, and more people's funds would have been at risk.
0: Yeah, I also think, you know, actually, I wanted to ask this question to go backwards really quickly, and I wonder if either of you has a take on this. I'm actually really curious to know, if CZ hadn't pushed the buttons when CZ pushed the buttons, do we think this all happened, I mean, when I say push the buttons, I mean started to talk on Twitter and do his essentially, like, kind of call Sam out. Do we think all this would have gone down eventually anyway, or was this a... Was this CZ saying, you know, essentially, fuck you, I'm going to take you down? And and this is like, uh, was it kind of like a personal thing that ended up becoming this much of a huge thing? Or was it going to fall apart at some point anyway?
1: I haven't gone through uh, the books uh, in as much detail as this lives on Twitter. But I, you know, I think that's kind of just misdirection to me. Uh, and, you know, seeing all the mainstream articles about focusing on you know the ethnicity of of cz and you know potential conspiracy theories about uh, you know what his entity is doing versus you know what he legitimately did was actually help uncover like wide-scale fraud uh and possibly take out uh, like eric was mentioning a cancer to the system before it got truly truly existential in nature
2: Uh, Uh, that that financial times article pissed me off so much. I, 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 I was I, my blood was was boiling and it was uh, I just, like, I think I went on a guy's Twitter. I was like, are you now going to uh, what's your next article? Are you going to write a hit piece on Koreans for making Luna? You fucking numbskull.
0: Well, tell me about the article because I don't think I saw it. I'm actually, my thought was, and this is, by the way, this is from my own naivete, and this is not, I want to be very clear. Like, I I don't know enough about the background of it to fully understand how this all went down other than watching it kind of play out in real time. Um, Maybe two things, real quick, Eric. Like, what what, what was in that article? And then, you know, maybe just tell us really quickly, you know, how this is the CZ thing in my mind when I saw it happen originally. It felt like a personal thing. Obviously, looking back on it, it's not a personal thing. Um, But I guess what I'm trying to say is if he hadn't exposed it then, which, you know, whether or not he was going to expose it, my question is more, is this a problem in terms of, is this something that is happening systemically and has been happening systemically across all of crypto? Or do you guys believe this, that Sam is like a... Another, pro- another single problem that's just been outed And my, I guess what I'm saying is you had three AC, you had, um, Luna, and now you've got Sam, right? Those are three pretty big giant things. So I guess we're just going to a point where there's not very many of these giant people left in the space. There's still quite a few, but a lot of them are losing money hand over fist right now. My bigger question is like, are there more of these people out there and are they just not being outed because people aren't being, you know, open with how the stuff is going down? That's, that's kind of what I'm asking.
1: Well, I, I guess I'll touch on the, the CZ part of it first. Uh, I don't even remember the contents of the FT article, but you know, the, on, the one and only graphic that took up a third of the piece was just him in like a bobblehead form in a caricature form, which is, you know, you can just go back in history and see that's like a very clear sign of xenophobia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, like just forgetting the the editorial comments. Like, there's a quote, direct quote from uh, a North Carolina like House Republican saying, "We're going to investigate Binance's role in this entire thing," which is just again like, who cares if it was like a personal vendetta or not? Like, what matters is like the like where the actual blame and the crime lies, right?
0: I totally agree with that, and I think I understand that as well, too. And I guess my only thought is, and and I want to be clear, that I believe there's a ton of xenophobia in this space right now, especially against CZ. And obviously, you have uh, American-Chinese relationships probably at, at one of their all-time lows. Um, I think that the thing that is, it, going back to our words from the beginning and the fear word that comes up in people's minds, is that where they smoke their fire and then when there's when there's a when you see a fire there could be like literally you know the entire building could be ready to go up in flames and i think the question i have is is it possible that there are i don't know two to three other people in the space in major roles who are about to pull uh, we're going to see the same sort of thing like how much of this space outside of the things that we can really clearly see are real, if any of them. Like when I say really clearly see, I mean the things that we're able to dig into that are fully decentralized, like are is Binance itself going to feel that way eventually? And I know they've opened and shared their their numbers and I'm not trying to put anything on Binance, but it just starts to feel like the whole space feels a little bit shaky and that, that's what I'm trying to get at.
1: I think we're well past that point, just due to the nature of how massive like the the last three players that fell were. Like Luna and USD were two top ten coins. Three uh, AC was, you know, top three, probably by by AUM uh, in terms of like the market makers in the space. Uh, and FTX was FTX, right? Like like the second largest exchange in the space. So we're we're past kind of you know is it one or two um, overly <laughs> or overly important or over leveraged um, characters in the space. Going back to your original question, Fonky, I think the natural fear for me is where is the regulation going to focus on because if it's going to be at a choke point like the off-ramp and the on-ramp between crypto and fiat like that's that's where it starts to feel bad right that's that's the main friction point of like how am i going to move you know my my spare the spare parts of my paycheck uh into the great casino of crypto uh if you're going to start Digging into that um, blindly applying like KYC and AML regulations uh, onto those bottlenecks, uh, then it starts to get really, really shaky for uh, really the growth of the entire industry. Yep,
0: yeah, I can see that, and I I understand that too. And I, I think you know it's going to be an interesting, I guess, like really probably next year, and probably I, it'll be interesting to see because it might be the next two years until we see you know what the next election cycle brings in America, but. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a strange time of people trying to figure out what they want to do to regulate it, like what it even means to regulate it. I mean, I I don't know. Is there anybody out there that has good ideas on what to do to regulate it? (laughs) I guess the silence means probably not yet. I I don't know. I'm trying to think of like somebody, I don't know. Eric, is there anybody that you follow that's interesting that like is giving good suggestions on how to bring regulations online? Because it seems like they're going to come no matter what.
2: I think like Eric Voorhees has just has been a really salient voice about you know regulation, um, the important of these importance of decentralization and what correct policy actually is, um, and you know he's been around for a long time. He's been very vocal. Uh, There's now you know in the in in the sort of the the wake of the whole FTX thing, there was a um, basically a debate of him and SPF um, where he just rips SPF a new one on his proposed policies that's been really good um and so he's always someone that you know I look to um for commentary around the just the shape of policy um with that being said I I like I I really don't know like the people if the people that I follow that have I think good takes on decentralization and what policy looks like um are actually going to be in the positions to shape it. Um, and that that in itself, I think, makes me really, really super uncomfortable.
0: I think that's one of the scariest parts of this whole thing, right? Is in and I think we've seen this in other technology times in other places when technologies have come and changed entire industries is that you often get the wrong people who in government who don't understand what's going on in the space who are reacting to something in specific and then take a tact which isn't necessarily informed by the right ideas. Um, and so it's, a, it's an unusual and a strange thing. Why don't we talk a little bit about the NFT market while we're here? Um, I've Like I said, I've been following it. It's pretty slow. There's a, there's a big project that's coming out in the next week that um, we've been tracking, which is Valhalla. Um, Valhalla is yet another kind of anime-inspired project that has a lot of... Um, Uh, interesting things going on for it definitely had some fun around it too it's very expensive which i think is an interesting thing for this time we're talking about another 0.5 mint in this uh, marketplace Uh, the basic idea from what i I just so everybody's aware i and i think some of the other people in mid curve have whitelist for valhalla i will probably mint it i'm not sure yet what i'm going to do with it long term i probably am going to sell it pretty quickly only because i don't trust the market and uh, as well as i'm not 100% sure that anything is going to work in this space uh, i will say i think the idea is interesting what they're doing they seem to be going after the larger uh gamer market for um non i think they're going to try to find non non nft native gamers and try to onboard them which i think is a smart idea um but it's pretty expensive it seems to be coming at a pretty terrible time. Uh, I don't know what are what are your both of your takes on Valhalla, Grant? What where, are you going to mint Valhalla? Do you have do you have whitelist?
1: Yeah, uh, you know I'll probably mint it. Uh, I uh, I don't really have a specific take on on the project. Uh, there are sort of many different sources of information, you know, feeding me tidbits on that, and I just don't. Don't think it's it's it'll be very healthy for me to talk about. I think just you know just talking about the general state of the market. I've I've had a couple calls with different project founders over the past like week, uh, and they've you know both taken similar approaches, and that you know they've felt distinctly uncomfortable like shilling their own project and doing you know the Discord pings and stuff like that in the wake of the FDX incident. Uh, and I was like strongly in support of that, and they were just you know asking for my take on you know if if I had originally intended to launch my, my new mint in Q four, like what would you do if you were me? and I, I I was unequivocally of the stance that you should delay it, right? There are other ways to engage with your community to keep up the hype. Uh, you know if if you're really, if you're planning to launch a, a gamified mint, like have them play the, the open beta for a couple for a couple months, right? Uh, and wait until conditions are better. Uh, wait until people are in a better state of mind um, to spend the money that you want you want them to spend on your end product uh you know there can be exceptions to the rule uh the hollow certainly seems like it has a lot of support from from the right groups and i guess we'll we'll see how it goes uh, in the coming in the coming week but you know generally like not, not nothing much has changed in nft since we last talked i think the the overarching like kind of the existential question at the center of the ecosystem remains around uh centralization and royalties essentially right because there just been been this one sort of marketplace that's enjoyed the lion's share of uh fees and profits and everything else over the last like two to three years uh and now they're starting to, to face like legitimate threats uh by way of aggregators and different other marketplaces that have started to undercut them in fees right and they've started to adopt kind of a hard stance um both towards their competitors as well as to, you know, product founders, right? To the point where, you know, they may or may not be undertaking like underhanded tactics uh, to try and retain their market share. And I think that's all really interesting, right? Cause it's not, not as high stakes uh, as, you know, what the danger of having your life savings zeroed out on, on a trusted centralized exchange like FTX would do to you. Uh, but it's in many ways, it's a microcosm of the same existential crisis that faces us, right? Like do you want your project to be controlled wholly by a centralized entity? or do you want your product to be enjoyed by the masses?
2: Yeah, I'll chime in a bit here um um on the you know on Valhalla. I think this is i i i I think echo grants thoughts a lot um you know. Uh, when I first saw, um, the open sea announcement about royalties, like, and read through it, my instinct was to to immediately hate it, um, simply because, you know, I was really really worried that this was their way of, um, maintaining market share through effectively centra- centralizing the NFT standard, um, and you know just just making just just making it very very difficult for um competitors to compete by instituting these like unrealistic purity tests that that realistically they themselves cannot facilitate uh, but it gives them a, a sort of a, a subjective reason to blacklist com- um marketplaces that they view as serious competitors you know i'm actually totally on board with enforcing a contract standard that would blacklist a marketplace if they didn't honor royalties, but I think the enforcement of those blacklists should be decentralized at the discretion of the projects themselves, and not the discretion of the marketplace, which in itself is an inherent conflict of interest. Um, and so this whole it, it just really really bugs me because um, we had just gotten through a situation where you know the having a bad centralized actor re- basically almost took the entire asset class down, um, and is resulting in a ton of collateral damage. Um, and OS is kind of taking that playbook and and trying to do the same, which, which for me is very, very frustrating because if you are a, a, a business. You know, building innovative technology and you already have a huge head start, um, when a new competitor comes, the right outcome is to build better product. Like the alternate marketplaces are gaining traction because, um, they are building better product that participants want, but OS currently does not offer. Uh, and so you already have just like most of the volume in the space by inertia. How hard is it to really like dedicate resources to build a competing product that is just as good instead of just kind of keeping the overall experience, you know, the same. Um and, and and trying to enforce and keep your two point, you know, to enforce your, you know, enforce this really, really centralized standard um onto the entire space just to protect your two point five percent fee. I, it just I I think that for me just left a really, really bad, you know, um it just leaves a really nasty taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, spot on. I think look, just again, for disclosure's sake, like members of this group uh, are invested in, in Blur, uh, which is an aggregator in the marketplace. Uh, they're also invested in X2Y2, uh, which is a competing marketplace. Uh, a couple of us have also, you know, we were pitched on the last round of uh, OpenSea C Series C, which is back in February, and I think it was around 13 billion dollars, and there was a reason why we passed on it, right? Operations sucked. Um, Press off insider trading charges, which, you know, for better or for worse, speaks to a lack of leadership uh, and a lack of someone really, really uh, understanding what was going on behind the scenes, right? Uh, and those of us who's, who saw the deck uh, and who took a look at sort of the state of the marketplace knew that, you know, things weren't good there. Uh, and ever since then, there's been what, two to three changes uh, at the C suite level, and all they've done is bleed market share. And like you said, Eric, it's, there's a good reason for that. They just, Haven't improved their operations, haven't done anything except continue to passively take that to two and a half percent, which is by and large, like the highest uh, rake fee of of, of any marketplace uh, in in the space. Right. And there's, you know, things that we can't discuss live right now because it's still in transit. But let's just say behind the scenes, they are not uh, acting in good faith, uh, which is, again, really frustrating, especially at a time like this where the overall pie is shrinking. Right? For the traders, for the creators, and for everyone in the space.
2: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think I think what really, really frustrates um me is they bought gem. So so it's not it's not as if they don't have like a sense of where the market is headed. Um, but they did that deal and it it basically, you know, I think kind of squandered kind of squandered uh a big head start um and it's just it's just insane to me that like to this day you know my preferred execution if you're not using like blur is is still on nft nerds um and you totally understand why because despite like the supposed improvements that they made to the front end you if you use OpenSea to trade nfts you are opening yourself up for predation Right. The, the refresh you know um, the rate of refresh on assets is not very good um they can never get accurate price quotes to facilitate high uh, high vol you know periods of high volume so all you're doing is basically um you're buying with the least amount with asymmetric information to the downside um your execution is going to suck because you're not actually getting a good sense of where price is uh, and what's actually available um, and it's just you know it's it's still very, very much a marketplace built for these really, really like high time frame transactions, which I think if you were we were talking about this in a purely traditional sense of like the art asset class, it's fine, but with nFTs, which trade at high and low time frames, which trade like commodities and collectibles, um it just do we need a better solution and and there are other markets that are you know operators that are providing that better solution i i just don't understand how a business that's that's raised money at like a 15 billion dollar implied valuation can't do the same
1: yeah and you know we could probably do uh a better overview of just the fact base uh and, and where things are but you know roughly in, in in a sentence or less uh the current market is incredibly fragmented if i uh as a retail participant want to do uh, uh want to do transactions in, in high volumes right because uh blur and x2 y2 have now shifted over to respecting uh royalties for new collections and I suppose you can attribute some of that credit to OpenSea's blacklisting policy uh but OpenSea is now adopting the move where um they won't allow you to um uh, if you use their code base effectively they won't allow you to, to list on blur Right. And that's, uh, as we've talked about, uh, pretty, pretty intentional. And, you know, the end result as of now for for the user is just more friction and more frustration, uh, which is essentially the last thing we need at a time uh, of low liquidity uh, in the first place.
0: I will add one part of this, which I think uh, I agree with both of what you're saying. I've been listening, and I think that. You know, the, the funniest thing about this whole OpenSea conversation right now is is obviously there's a lot of important conversation to have about royalties and about to have about artists and getting artists paid. But I think the thing that both of you have pointed out that I think is the important thing that is something that people in the royalty slash artist conversation don't think a lot about is the 2.5% that, that OpenSea takes. And, you know, I think actually both of you might be interesting to kind of think about this is like you know, I think some people might be like 2.5% is not that big a deal, but like when you think about it in terms of like what they're doing and, and kind of what the actual value they're providing is, is a pretty significant deal. Um, do you think that OpenSea could operate and be a business of its size? Like what, what are ways that it could operate and be a business of its size to cut that price significantly? Like what, what are some things it would be able to do to, to kind of like take that, take its own royalty take down and still make money. I,
2: I mean, I, I think, I think this is where, you know, there's an aspect of NFTs that that's really, I think, prone for financialization. Um, and so what I foresee is, is we're going to start to have products, both on the lending and trading side um that kind of mirror what we currently have you know in DeFi with with Ave maker uh, with gmx um where just perpetual assets um you you can you can almost speculate on an amity via like a perpetual contract um and that in itself is is done that volume is very very profitable for for the for the operator of the perpetual contract Um, and that becomes a sort of an extension of how some of the market trades at um i think art is always going to be a bigger uh, a huge portion uh, a part of nfts um i think like um one of the guys here mentioned that over time we're just going to see more bifurcation between sort of the Gen stuff and the art stuff and i think that's a really good way to see it so there is probably still um you know a a business to be had to be a front, you know, a storefront for sort of less liquid but higher value art assets, where you can take a higher frictional fee, um, simply because it's that's not necessarily like two and a half percent to five percent in 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 like the context of like a Sotheby's action is auction is very very reasonable, um, and so just I I think there just has to be better fit for like product market fit across the different classes of NFTs. Um, there has to be, you know, I think the space needs better liquidity provision uh, providers. It needs better ways to provide liquidity and like lower frictional costs. Um, and all of that are things that, you know, when you sort of, if you're able to implement and create good product and onboard more people, I think just results in more opportunities to monetize. And so if you're sort of looking purely within the context of a marketplace where I'm just going to take this percentage fee. Uh, then it's a race to zero because because ultimately these marketplaces become um, as you know as long as the standards remain decentralized, become very very replicable. Anyone can really you know really spin one up, and and so you're kind of just like dealing with different degrees of the same thing. Um, and I I don't think like that's exciting, very exciting to anybody who's excited about the space. So I just I I think like we're we're seeing the first step of you know uh defy people or people implementing Defi strategies and nfts this year like in mass with significant success i think that is sort of the catalyst that sort of expands the suite of offerings that um you know new protocols begin to offer for the market um and then from there you know uh I I I think I really do think that like the future marketplaces and aggregators will be this hybrid of marketplace and um decentralized exchange. And that ultimately is how a lot of them make their money. Like very similarly to how the DEX wars, uh the, the CX wars unfolded, um, you know, between like Binance and everyone else, which is trading fees by and large went to zero. Um, and the majority of the profitability for their products came from offering leverage, came from market maker, market taker fees, and came from like funding rates on perks. Um, and 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 those have proven to be super profitable.
0: I want to push back on that just slightly, only because I here's what one thing I want to say is I, I totally hear what both of you are saying, and that this idea that NFTs are gonna become more of a financially driven market, and especially when you think of NFTs as a let's say a non-art first Item, right? Because right now we're at the kind of very, uh, you know, whatever is a cliche, We're at the beginning stages of what the idea of an NFT is and what it means as a financial instrument, right? But with with what we're looking at right now in the world, and I think that the world, the big question here to me is like, how do you define the word art, right? Like, what what is art as an NFT? Like, you know, are board apes art you know obviously i think we can all agree like one of one x copies are art right like that feels like art it feels like something that you would see auctioned at a sotheby's it's a slightly different version of what you would see at sotheby's but are you know Quirky's art are they are 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 people making a judgment call based on what the thing looks like and are they giving that value that's separate from it as an individual unit and i guess my question becomes is Totally, I can see how somebody like Binance or somebody like one of the you know centralized services, one of the were or I said sex, I X's, or whatever you want to say it, uh, uh, were able to make money on these financial instruments that they put on top of these things. I, I just am not sure that NFTs will operate in the same way, or maybe that, it maybe you know, feel free to jump in here, but maybe it's that I'm conflating the idea of NFT art NFTs. With what will become a larger group of NFTs that are going to be going forward, but I, 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 even when I say that, like I think of something like, like you know, Blur, which I'm a huge fan of, what Blur has done and what they're making, but it still feels like you're talk when you're talking about taking that side out of NFTs, you're really talking about making them kind of in exchange, exchangeable for everyone else. Like they're all kind of being seen as individual units. Right? I mean, sorry, as as units of one. Rather than being like individual things that feel specific to each non fungible token, like each one feeling like it's owned.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're making it fungible. No, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but you know, how many of us like looked at the art on the gobblers as we were trading them? I, I, well, I 100% that, yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 so I, I totally hear where you're coming from because it, it, it kind of like, it does ruin the spirit of the thing a little bit. Like, you know, which, which is which is kind of similar to how, you know, if you have people that, like, trade Pokemon cards or trade Rare Magic the Gathering cards for a living, like, there's always this aspect of, like, I think collectibles and art that is very, very financially driven. um yep. Right? It, it just, I think it's just, it's just the way that we're seeing it because everything is on chain, it's so public. It just, you look at this, it's like, oh, my God, this is, like, so craven and degenerate like how is this good for this space um and and for for anyone that's kind of looking at that like i would completely agree right but but for me you know this is this aspect of of something especially when you're dealing with like collectability is always going to exist um and i think it's just it's just one of these these necessary components of of greater broader mass market adoption um where You do sort of need um, you know, you want to onboard a ton of people into the space where they're they're participating in FTEs, they're collecting them, uh, and they're just they're really like partaking in the entire ecosystem. Um, but you also do need sort of this invisible fuck, it sounds so Canadian like when I say invisible hand, but you do need like this invisible hand of like profit job driven operators that sort of like move money, I think, into the right parts of the market over time um and and where the spaces and by the way it's by no means perfect the space as a whole is like still really trying to figure that out um and and it doesn't help that so many of the products just end up and and the projects haven't really like delivered or lived up to their promises um but i i just i i think like it is part of a healthy ecosystem and so, if you are a marketplace Wait, operator, right,
0: what, what is part of a healthy ecosystem? Which part? Just,
2: just sort of having this trading-oriented oh, aspect sure, okay. of the market where things are totally fungible. I, I think it, it it's required. Um, and then, but so, which is to say that if you are a, a marketplace operator in an ecosystem like that, you you and you claim to represent that entire market, you have to you do have to cater to that aspect of the market. You cannot just say, "Hey, like, no, this is just the way it is." I'm going to do it this way, and they expect to charge, like, get continue to, you know, earn above market economic rent. Um, it just, right. I just don't think that's sustainable and does it or 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 viable in the long run.
0: Right. I guess my question is, well, I mean, this comes back to my question at the beginning of this: is like, is is like, any of this viable ultimately in terms of like? if we're in a world where non fungible tokens essentially are being treated as fungible tokens in a trading mechanic and, and mechanism, does that not just turn them into kind of into shit coins on their own? And and maybe it does. And maybe that's part of what the, uh, the world of NFTs are going to become, that they are just versions of shit coins that have pictures on them, which has been kind of the joke forever. But like, this is where I think we get to the fundamental question of like, what what is art and how do you define art and how, and also like this also becomes the other side of it is like you know so speaking of shit coins obviously shit coins there are you know is a sometimes there is a like quote-unquote community aspect of it too where like a bunch of people are in a telegram channel and they're all doing different things to kind of talk about it and try to pump it up or do something around it like i think this is where the question of what does the financial aspect of the NFT world feel like and what does it feel like to trade entirely to try to get in and get out of stuff based on most, you know, best financial practices versus the very un very loose very not scientific version of What I think people think of when they're investing in NFTs, which is like investing in an idea, which is kind of why sometimes people invest in companies too, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't, and this is not, I'm not saying this is a good investment strategy, but I think it's how a lot of retail thinks. And I think if you think about trying to onboard people, when we say that thing about onboarding people, like, I'm actually curious to know from both of you who do we think we're onboarding like next? Like, because I think if we're trying to onboard, if, if retail, and when I say retail for those people who, you know, I'm sure most people listen to this know, but we're talking about like, you know, the average person who's out there who may want to get into NFTs or crypto or whatever, they're not like a big institutional buyer. <clears throat> if we're onboarding retail, do we think they're going to understand any of this stuff when they first get involved? Like, do we think that we're going to be able to onboard more people if this is the heart of what we're doing and that, that like this is coming from somebody who does it and I understand it and I know what we're all talking about here, but do we think that retail is going to give a shit to look at essentially what is something that we could be different, but now we're kind of taking and viewing as mostly as like just another coin or just another fungible token.
2: I, I mean, it's, it's a good, um, it's a great question, you know, because, because really like what, what, you're basically saying is like, what about how do we get the people in who sort of just buy what they like, right? Um, and right now, what what sort of we've just been discussing the financial aspect of it is really like, you know, for the most part, is buy what has volume, buy yeah. where where incremental capital is is flowing into, and you're sort of chasing those flows, um, and hoping to write it. Right. And in that, like everything is fungible. You don't really care what anything looks like. You just care if money's being thrown at it. Um, I do think that there is also an aspect of of the market that is much, much lower time frame, but also still very thesis oriented. Um, you know, Eric, uh, you know, the NFT trader who who does all of those like really big splashy ape trades, you know, that is someone who kind of formulates like a thesis, has a good sense of market values for the product and really structures these what are pretty complex deals um that that he ultimately like earns money on and, th- and those are not very liquid they take a lot of time to put together uh and it's very very more like high touch right uh and then everyone else is sort of just buys into stuff like on the like you said on the promise that there is going to be something on the other end um you know and, and, and like sometimes it's just for like it's just it's just for like the meme or it's just it's, you know like fucking stacked totes. it's like the fake ponzi money like whatever whatever um you know, it's a lot of bullshit you know um yeah. but uh i think ultimately you're right like today retail isn't gonna give a shit because because it's like 99 percent of this is very bad um yeah. and it doesn't work as advertised do you think retailers who were trying to onboard, like, is that, is that the idea? Uh, I think, I think the next leg of this is sort of, I would say early art adopters within sort of the art technology communities. And okay. so the next leg of onboarding, I don't think is necessarily retail. I think it's like museums, uh, endowments. It is actually some of, some of the more institutional um, operators who, who just say, well, like, I guess this is a thing. So I'm going to dedicate this minuscule amount of money to doing it, um, which in the grand scheme of things isn't much, but it does, I think well, it, it makes, does start yeah. to move the needle. right? It's a signal, um, right? Like it's yeah. a signal
0: where like MoMA or whoever it was that just allocated whatever it was, $65, $70 million. Yeah, seven. a, the
2: the MoMA, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a great, great signal, right? And then the next, the, I think the next cohort that I'm really, I think is going to be big as an on onboarding, um, event is, is actually web two brands like Starbucks Odyssey, you know, Instagram, Reddit, right. That's where I think uh, like, if you sort of look at, um, like, I think the challenge with onboarding retail is that uh, the web three native products that we use to onboard retail are dog shit. Um, and there's no, like, unless you have a profit incentive in mind, you would never co-opt into this. And this is by the way, why, like. I think a lot of mainstream gamers still hate NFTs. Um, and, and so, you know, how do we resolve that? It's, I think we have to onboard big web two brands in the space that understand how to market to web, uh, to retail, that understand how to make products that retail actually wants. Uh, and they adopt the standard and push it forward. And that's where we get our force multiplier. Um, but, but, but so, so, you know, th- that, 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 in my like very very simple mind is is the the sequencing of it. It's it's just it's just I think I think for someone to buy something that they like, there has to be something to like. Um, and in 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 ninety five percent of NFTs, there is very very little to like. Uh, unless unless you're like you you know you're super into like Polygon based games with <laughs> cats and milk that or you know take si- that that take like six to nine months to work and br- to bring to fruition.
0: I just can't believe sometimes how bad some of these products that we're putting in front of people i mean just to the, i mean just to kind of bring us full circle in some ways what you're talking about with web two brands like the Starbucks things a pretty good example of this, like you know we talked about in the beginning about how the f t x thing was a play toward centralization well, I think in some ways like the starbucks you know n f t play is going to be semi centralized at least I know it's on polygon but like you know, you're talking about like brands are going to want these to be underneath their own roofs and stuff like that. So I guess my, this is the thing I was trying to get back at with like the whole trading versus like, what is art conversation, which is just that you know, I think that if we, if I guess the question is like, how big of a market can a trading only NFT space become, right? Like this is, this is the thing, like it's so small in my mind right now, the people, especially now, right. The people that are buying and selling NFTs especially, but you know, even the crypto market is, is way bigger than it's ever been. Um, I mean, not since last year, but like, but it's, it's a huge slice of what people are aware of. The NFT market is still relatively small And I'm just worried that by making it more fungible, making it really much more about trading based on purely, you know, a number based trading, that it kind of takes a little bit of what's special about them away. And I don't mean that in a way where I'm I'm against it. I I think that obviously competition is good. I think it's all good, but I I think that we do have to be aware that like treating NFTs like other assets is definitely something that's going to turn them into those other assets. And I think if we aren't clear with that, it's very possible we could end up in a place where we just have more of those assets and whatever was interesting about NFTs kind of goes away. I don't know, Grant, what is your take on that?
1: I don't really have like a black and white answer to be completely frank. Uh, I think, you know, the people who trade in and out within 10 minutes are the majority of the volume these days, right? So in a sense, we are the liquidity providers or we, we are the last line of defense for this, uh, subsector. Uh, and my entire point is, you know, for the last six months, the pie has been drinking, uh, by every single second of every single minute of every single day. Um, so what you need to do as an industry leader and as a marketplace is to remove places of friction. Uh, and that's unfortunately not what's happening right now. Right. Uh, I don't know what the answer is in terms of you know bifurcating uh, the beauty of what NFTs last year uh, was from everything else in the financial markets. Like I don't I don't have an answer for that. I just know you know it distinctly felt different, right? Like exploring Gen art uh, and different PFP collections last summer, and last fall uh, compared to this year. Um as, as for, you know, what kind of, what's the social signal for the bottom, I tend to agree with Eric. It's probably, uh, it's other historians going over, you know, what was a significant turning point over the last two to three years and, you know, what we'll collect as dinosaurs from the past. Uh, or it'll be, you know, a really quiet, small game studio that, uh, you know, has the opportunity uh, to build through a one-to-two-year bear market where no one's really expecting 10-to-100x uh, yeah. gains. Uh, it could be a Web2 grand, like you guys are saying, but I think even the best ones that you know um, acquired like a native brand like Artifact has uh, kind of lost touch uh, a little bit. So I, I think that kind of remains to be seen. Uh, I still expect a lot of them to wash out quietly uh, like some of them have been over the past you know two quarters and uh, it kind of just remains to be seen I think it'll be only the smartest web2 brands that kind of stick around for the whole thing uh, and they might might just repeat their mistakes and kind of be uh, a mini top signal uh, for the next cycle whenever that is is there a brand a web three
0: like specific let's say even an nft specific brand that you feel like you trust right now grant to kind of like get through this like that is there anybody that you could point to that you'd say like that team i think is going to make it
1: uh i mean i i think the the easy answer and, and the answer that everyone defaults to is like how much money they have uh and I find that a bit crass because that's another way for saying how much money that they extract from us right uh at the pico schmickle top right uh i think it's actually more likely to be teams who were like web3 purists and were around before the money started flowing uh because they know how to operate uh with a tight budget they know how to run lean uh and they know how to speak to like the dgens that are left it doesn't like nothing nothing right now is kind of like a guaranteed recipe for they'll see sustained success, although they'll ever hit like their, their all time high in terms of ETH price again. Uh, But I tend to think just, you know, experience in the quiet parts of the cycle will probably contribute to success in in this kind of death spiral that we're currently in.
0: (laughs) I think, I think that's a pretty good place to probably wrap it up because we are, we are slowly uh, in the death spiral. And the question is, will we be able to extract ourselves out of there as we go forward? And before we leave, we should probably ask uh, Is there is hopefully something people are looking for. So so
2: I I, I was going to add to that, Greg. Yeah, I was going to add to that. Now that I think about it, I feel like the right way to onboard, you know, normies into the space is you just you pick up a foundation of a famous artist. You do an NFT collection without their explicit consent. (laughs) um, (laughs) You just you push the space forward that way. Uh, well, charging .5 po- charging point five or whatever the fuck it is for 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 the mint. Um, I feel I feel like that is the right that strategy a, that we should be implementing.
0: I think everybody should implement. I, I will say just so everybody knows, if you don't know that that Eric is referencing the Gota project, which I am a holder of, and and is one of the things that it, to to Grant's point that is kind of frustrating about that GoToProject, project, which is I was a big fan of when it came out because I, I mean I, I I was lucky enough to win the raffle. I minted it, so I didn't buy it on secondary. I bought I minted it, but. Um, you know, I think it was a really cool idea, this idea that, I'm oh, sorry, <coughs> it's a really cool idea. <coughs> oh my God, one second. <coughs> okay. It was a really cool idea that they would do this thing where they would try to onboard, um, <coughs> man, and I, the, I think the go to got, go to people got to me One second. hold on. <coughs> All right. Uh, there was a really cool idea that there was a project they were trying to onboard um, traditional artists and bring them into the Web three space, and, and what a cool idea! Because there's so many interesting people out there, and they really seem to have done a pretty bad job of it at this point. And and the thing that I think was interesting to to Grant's point about the Web three native people is, I bought that or minted that that pass and didn't sell it because in part I thought, oh, this is so cool! What a cool thing! I'm going to be able to like other mint passes if I hold this and own it, I'll be able to mint this for free because that's the benefit from a web three standpoint. If I own a pass, I'm able to mint the things they put out. Then I was kind of shocked when the, the, the Nina, the Nina mints were 0.5. And, and look, I understand wanting to get the artists paid. I understand that that's a, that's the business plan they had set up, but you know, that's not the greatest business model for when you see other web three business models. And, and, you know, going back to, all the way back to punks and, you know, having a free mint and having these things that exist in in interesting Web3 ways. And I think that's a really interesting way to kind of like talk about Web2 versus Web3, which is just the idea that there are a lot of people who maybe haven't learned the lessons of Web3 and the good lessons yet who are trying to onboard into this space and might really fuck it up still, I think, in a big way. And Gota was, was one of them, for sure. Uh, okay, well, well, while we wrap it up, uh, one thing what you guys are looking forward to this week, that you have to pick one thing. I know we're in a death spiral, but um, Grant, is there anything you're looking forward to over the next week?
1: Yes, uh, this is a public call for any institutions uh, involved in decentralized finance in one way or another. If you're financially insolvent, uh, if you're bankrupt, uh, tell me now. Don't, don't <laughs> drag it out for the next... Uh, two months, three months, whatever it is. Just, just, just tell me now. Rip Thanks. the bandaid off. Graham
2: will also take a, a proof of reserves without actual proof of reserves for security reasons. Um, <laughs> Cause that's the right way to do proof of reserves right now. When, when confidence is at an all time low. Uh,
0: what about you, Eric? Are you looking forward to anything for this coming week?
2: Yeah. I'm actually looking forward to what happens tomorrow with um, DCG. I, I will uh, you know, I would I would just say BlackRock, please buy grayscale, please, 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 pretty please, please. Um, that would be great. I think I think you know for me personally, and obviously for for everyone else. Do we think
0: is that is that legitimately a possibility, or is that just hopium?
2: Uh, no, I look. It's 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 two and a half percent fees on like a passive asset, which which is for you know for for something that's a ETF, not really an ETF. It's just. Ah, completely unheard of. Um, so that is a cash cow that a, a player looking to get into crypto would definitely be interested in. yeah, uh, and I think I think anyone that's that's bigger and has been in the game longer probably also has better access to com- potentially uh potentially a ETF conversion to fix like the fifty percent discount. right? So so I think there would be there will there would be a lot of interest in 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 that asset. Uh, the question for me is how big is the collective hole at the DCG entities? Um, and what is DCG without sort of the cash flows of Grayscale at this point?
0: Right, right. Um, okay, that's great. Um, I think that's a really interesting thing. Do you think we're going to have an answer on that tomorrow?
1: Um, I'm hoping we do. <laughs> okay, me too. Look, if, you, if, if you're in crisis uh, and your financial stability is in question, don't put out a tweet thread on Friday.
0: Oh my God, please just, just don't, don't do that. Yes, it's the worst possible world. They
1: they cut the time they desperately needed to 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 plug that billion dollar hole in half at least. Oh my god. It was god. just what a blunder.
0: Well, I don't understand what it seems to me that a lot of these people are doing this stuff on Friday nights and I I when I was back in the entertainment business, I mean, obviously that's when you dump news that you want to bury, but If you're trying to actually actively do something with that news and not just get people to read it and then pretend that it doesn't exist, it's probably a bad idea. Um, Okay, my last thing before we go uh, is I'm actually... I am looking forward to the Valhalla Mint this week, only mostly because... I'm really curious to see it as an indicator of the health or sickness of the marketplace right now. It's hard. It's going to be hard to know because it's going to mint out. I'm really curious to know what the secondary is going to look like on it because I don't know if there's going to be nearly as much action as people think there is. And, and, I'm going to mint it. I'm a little worried about it in general. I was a kind of a big fan of what they're building and still believe kind of in what they're doing. It it does seem like it's a pretty terrible time to to launch something this large and to Grant's point from earlier, like I kind of wish everybody would be pushing their their mints until next year, but we're going to see what happens uh with it and We'll see how it goes. They've, they've done a good job of trying to work on community stuff on their, on their Discord side, at least. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. Um, OK, everybody, Well, we'll uh, hopefully we're going to put a version of this out this week. Uh, it'll be our first kind of real take on the world. Um, thank you to Grant and Eric for being here. I appreciate both of you guys hanging out on Sunday night.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, and Lyle, really, really sorry for this editing job.
0: Um, <laughs> we'll be better about this in the future, I promise. <laughs> All right. Uh, Grant, thanks so much for being here, too.
1: Thank you. Uh, Hopefully the industry is around for episode two.
0: Exactly. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon. We'll see you next week. We're going to try to record these on Sunday nights. We'll see you all next week.